Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. A very good morning to you. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Lin Lee. If you're an orchid lover or even a budding gardener, it's time to listen up. Singapore is playing host to the 14th edition of the Asia-Pacific Orchid Conference this year. From now till this weekend, the Singapore Expo has been transformed into an orchid marketplace featuring some of the region's most special orchid varieties and dazzling pots of competition orchids. Experts from around the globe are also gathered for this prestigious event that's jointly organised by the National Parks Board and the Orchid Society of Southeast Asia to share their insights on orchid hybridization and conservation. For more, we're joined by Dr. Gillian Q, Centre Director for Genomics and Micropropagation, Singapore Botanic Gardens. Morning, Dr. Q. Good morning. Thank you for having us here. We also have with us Dr. Tam Yok, Group Director of the Singapore Botanic Gardens. Good morning. Yeah. Now, if you can imagine, our studio is just booming with vibrancy from the orchids that our guests brought in this morning. Before we get to the orchids in the studio, Dr. Tan, Singapore's national flower is an orchid called the Vendor Miss Jo Kim. And we're also known for our orchid diplomacy, basically. Mm-hmm. World leaders that visit Singapore would usually get an orchid hybrid named after them as a gesture of friendship to promote goodwill between Singapore and other countries. Help us understand here, why are orchids accorded such high standing? Indeed. Uh, so this is the VIP orchid program of the Singapore Botanic Gardens. And orchids are particularly suitable for this purpose for a couple of reasons. And the first is that orchids have been cultivated by different cultures for a couple of thousand years. So they are widely admired, they are understood, and people appreciate them for their beauty. Uh, second reason is that orchids comes in all kinds of size, colour, shape. And there's a big diversity of them. So it's relatively easy to cross something, cross the orchids and produce a new hybrid that's special. And the third reason must be that it's uh, related to our national flower. Mm. So it's a symbolic gift uh, and a good one from Singapore. Talking about some hybrids, mm. right? Could you briefly share some examples of these hybrids? Yeah, there are about 200 of them that have named after VIPs or mm. dignitaries. Hard to pick a winner. My personal favourite is uh, Princess Memorial, uh, Princess Diana, Dendrobium oh, Princess Diana. Okay. It's, it's lovely because it's white and there's a tinge of uh, pink in the centre oh, and it reflects nice. the elegance. Nice. Uh, the other one I would say is uh, Paravenda Nelson Mandela. We named after him uh, in, when he visited Singapore in 1997. And that's special because uh, the flower has uh, different colours of uh, orange uh, with uh, mainly yellow and green that similar to the national colours of uh, South Africa. So that's special and we had this honour to name it after Giant in history. Okay, our guests have brought in some orchids into the studio this morning. So Dr. Q, let's get you to quickly take us through some of the orchids we have in front of us, which some of which can be found in Singapore. Yes, so I've brought in two orchids that are native to Singapore that are also new to science, which means that we did not know about them previously Ah. and they were recently found and described as new species. And these two were found in Singapore in our nature reserves. The one that I'm holding right now is called Nervilia singaporensis. It was named for Singapore. It was found in 2019 in Bukatima Nature Reserve. The other one that I have over here is called Cladaria leontocampus. Leontocampus is Greek for Malayan mm. and it was found only recently and it was named and published this year. If you could, for the benefit of our listeners, describe this orchid that's in a terrarium currently. 
Yes, so this orchid in the terrarium, uh, which is Cladaria leontocampus, has very soft leaves and a little bit floppy as well. Mm -hmm. It tends to grow as um, stems on the forest floor, so it Mm -hmm. scrambles on the forest floor, and then it climbs up trees, and that's when it flowers, when it gets close enough to a suitable light source. The flowers, um, for the inflorescence, it can last one year. But then the the flowers open sequentially, and each flower lasts about three to four days. And the flowers are yellow in colour. Do they flower easily? Uh, They do flower easily as long as you give them a good light source, but then you need to keep the humidity up because any plant that grows in a forest is used to a higher humidity than our Mm. urban environment. And I see this uh, terrarium has a plug, which means there's got to be some light for the orchids as well. Yes, that's correct. So there's an LED light Mm -hmm. connected to this as well as uh, ventilation. I see. Okay. Dr. Tan, we talked about the social and economic history of orchids earlier, but what kind of role do orchids play in the natural ecosystem? Perhaps you can use the orchids we have in the studio this morning as examples. Yep, sure. So orchids is a very big family of plants. Uh, there are about twenty-five to 30,000 species alone. And that represents about 10% of all plants that are known to man. So it's mm-hmm. a big group of plants. And we say that they are uh, highly advanced in evolution terms, mm-hmm. meaning that they have developed structures to allow them to survive in the environment. So they're intimately associated with the kind of environment they live in. So for instance, you can see in this one, this is a mm-hmm. tiny, a tiny one. one, yes. And it has yellow flowers that are relatively large. And that's primarily, I guess, to, to attract pollinators to it. Mm-hmm. This is called Ericina pusilla. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely plant. Mm-hmm. Now this, on the other hand, is a big one that it's also called the deer antler orchid mm-hmm. because the flower spikes ah, resemble see. deer antler. I see, I and so see. orchids come in a great diversity of forms, shapes, and they are intimately associated with the environment. So they are also a very good indicator of the quality of the environment, uh, whether or not the environment is suitable for their growth. This is an indicator species for that. Talking about growth, Dr. Q, could you weigh in on how climate change is impacting the survival of orchid species in the wild? Yes, I would say that we have all personally experienced or witnessed the effects of climate change, whether it is the warming up of our environment or seeing forest fires on the news. And the thing about animals and humans is that we can move to a more comfortable environment if we Mm -hmm. need to, Mm -hmm. but plants just can't get up and walk away. So when forest fires happen, the plants in the forest get destroyed along with it, including orchids. Um, 70% of tropical orchids are tree-dwelling orchids, which means they live on trees. And so the moment trees are felt, could be through microbursts, or it could be destroyed by forest fires, then the orchids go with them as well. And in addition, when there are temperature changes, these affect rain patterns, and it affects flowering of the plants and reproduction. It also might cause pollinators to Mm. move away. And so even if plants can flower but they don't get pollinated, then they can't reproduce as well. So there are very severe effects of climate change on our natural environment and on the survival of orchids. That sounds really dismal. We understand (laughs) that you've done quite a bit of orchid research. So could you elaborate on our local efforts in orchid breeding and how that benefits orchid conservation on a wider scale? Okay, so in the orchid world, when we talk about breeding, we often refer to the crossing of two parent plants to create a hybrid. Usually this has very little relevance to orchid conservation, which Mm -hmm. is the protection of wild species, species that we find in our forests. Um, So the first step of conservation of wild species would of course be to do field surveys. We have to go out to the jungles to find the plants so that we know what's out there and only when we know what's out there can we protect them. 
And the next step would be to describe them and to name them. And then after that, we can do some ex situ conservation through propagating these plants in the nurseries. Um, we can store seeds of these plants and we can also propagate them through tissue culture. And once we have them, we have a good population size, we can then reintroduce them to the wild again. Dr. Tan, it is the second day of the Asia-Pacific Orchid Conference. What are you hoping to achieve through this event? And can we expect interesting partnerships perhaps to further develop areas like orchid research, culture and hybridization? Yep. So today is the second day of the conference. And in fact, today's the theme of conference is conservation of orchids. Mm -hmm. So like Gillian said, conservation is of prime importance for us to continue the survivability of this uh, group of plants. And so there's a wide range of topics are presented at the conference, including at uh, the stage programs we have organised for experts to share with uh, participants uh, different topics on breeding, cultivation, and keeping your, your plants alive and getting them to flower. So it's going to be an exciting program for everyone over the next couple of days. What other rare species can we expect at the uh, conference? Oh, well, we have a number of native orchids mm -hmm. that are on show at the mm -hmm. conference, including this Phileonopsis cornucervi mm -hmm. that we brought in. Um, we also have Cymbidium finlaysonianum. Um, in addition to that, we have a genetically engineered orchid that is being wow. shown by the Japanese. Mm -hmm. And this is an orchid where they put in a blue gene. That's right, I saw that one, yes. Yes, yeah, and genetically engineered orchids are very rare because mm -hmm. most of the time we produce orchids by crossing them using pollen on stigma. Mm -hmm the traditional way mm. by fertilization. Mm. Um, it's very difficult to uh, genetically modify orchids because they take a long time to regenerate. We've been speaking with Dr. Jillian Q, Centre Director for Genomics and Micropropagation, and Dr. Tampui Yok, Group Director of the Singapore Botanic Gardens. This is Morning Shot. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.